Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's a uh, coat and tie Thursday here on Home and Home, radio.com sports original. Good morning, everybody. Home and Home brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter what a thursday night you all have in store two divisional playoff games cards and braves nationals and dodgers and oh by the way a fantastic thursday night football matchup rams and seahawks nick costos is going to tell you who to bet on tonight in that outstanding thursday night game and we will preview that one for you i'm dave briggs on the road this morning in new york at cnn where i am on air four to six a.m and my man Ross Tucker in Pennsylvania at home this morning. We're going to get to a lot of stuff, including Vontez Berthick. Can you be a good dude who does very bad things on the football field? And Kirk Cousins, too sensitive or is he the right leader for the Vikings? But we start with this question, Ross. Do you have to be fast to be good at fast food? A survey this morning suggests otherwise. 3,000 people were surveyed asking what's the slowest fast food restaurant out there, and Chick-fil-A. We are a walking, talking billboard for Chick-fil-A, but they were the slowest, and they were also the best. 71% of customers said they were satisfied by their experience, and it wasn't even close. So, Ross, how do you be good at fast food when you're slow? Oh, it's an age-old question, David. And number one, by the way, has anybody ever called you David? My wife and my mother. Your wife calls you David? You. <laughs> that is right. Every day, all the time. And her parents. I take that back. Her parents as well. So, okay. I, my question there is, how did that start where your wife called you? By the way, it's definitely not uh, a jacket and tie Thursday for me <laughs> here in my house. What definitely not. I do have a lovely uh, NFL Walter Camp alumni uh, long sleeve t-shirt on, though. Uh, it's long sleeve t-shirt time, by the way, we'll get into that some other show, but I love me some long sleeve t-shirts and it's officially that time. But here's what I don't understand, Dave. If everybody other than your parents and your in-laws call you Dave, how did it start with your wife calling you David? Like how, like what's the first, is that how you introduced yourself when you first met her? Like, how does that even start? My wife and her parents preceded everyone else in my entire world today. So I met my wife in fourth grade in elementary school, and she just knew me as my brother's younger brother, David. That's just how I guess I was known in the fourth grade. I can't remember back to the fourth grade to if I did that, but I do believe I was David as a young kid. And so since she's known me for so long, she was never going to stray from David and neither were her parents, which I kind of really like. I, I don't mind the name David. I just don't like it in a TV sense. And that's been 
who I am for the last 20 years. So I think it's kind of cool that she sticks with that. I don't like when she introduces me to new people as David and I have to step in and correct them as Dave. Which do you like? Which, which would you prefer? Um, I, I like Dave just because it's only one syllable and I'm pretty lazy. Yeah. So I, I like Dave, but <laughs> I, I will say this. I totally understand that story because, and this is interesting. I, I see, I find stuff like this. I find words and stuff like this. Interesting. Uh, on Saturday, after I call the army two lane game, which by the way, is a huge game. They're both receiving votes in the top 25. They're both very good. The only losses were Army at Michigan and Tulane at Auburn. Should be an awesome game on CBS Sports Network at noon on Saturday. But after that, I am heading down to New Jersey to hang out with my best friend and the best man in my wedding. And I bring that up because everybody I know, including his wife, calls him Pete Orwig except for his parents and his brothers and me. And I think it's just because I was like, he's got two brothers. I was like the fourth brother, David. And because I was like the fourth brother and I was always around them, his mom and his dad and his brothers were always saying, Peter, 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 Peter. So he ended up getting a full scholarship to James Madison. He was an excellent athlete. Peter Orwig, Peter Orwig everywhere. I think that his immediate family and me are the only people that call him Peter. And I call him that just because I was around his immediate family so much. But like when he was playing in college or now or whatever, people would be like, why do you call him Peter? I'm like, I don't know. That's just, that's his name. That's what I've always called him. So it does go back to like your family and when you're really young and that's and because your family's the most likely to give you to call you the given name and then other people shorten it but your family might might hold strong with that so i guess i'm kind of family as it relates to peter and not as it relates to david briggs i like that now you have to answer my first question this morning which is how does a fast food joint win by being slow okay because they are because the food is the best it's delicious and also because the only reason they're quote unquote slow is because of how many people covet the food they're actually very fast they have guys out there i mean the drive through the chick-fil-a closest to me they've got double drive through so they're trying to do it and they've got the guys out there with those ipads or whatever as we showed the video on Tuesday's Home and Home, where you can go back and listen to the audio, I ordered one of everything. Now, it took him eight minutes to actually get one of everything on the iPad when I did that. But when we got around, by the time we got to the window, it maybe took a minute and a half, two minutes, and they handed me two big bags full of everything and six shakes and everything. I was very impressed. They, If you ever go inside a Chick-fil-A, they have to have more employees working at one time than any other fast food restaurant. They've got the two out by the drive-thru. Then they've got the next girl where you pay. Then they've got six other ones at the drive-thru inside. I mean, 
They do whatever they can. We're playing the audio here. We're just showing the video. Okay. Just to name the order. Right, here we go. Okay. And then what can I get for you? My I wife would like to get one thing. of everything. Just one of everything? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's a. Did you want like just literally one of everything? One of everything you have. Okay. If it's on the Chick fil A menu, I would like one. Please. Okay. <laughs> so my wife watched that video 10 times in a row. And you know who she thinks the star is of the video? Simeon, the drive, the Chick Fil A yeah. kid, the drive through. Yeah. He's amazing. Like he, yeah. he looks like he is the actor that would be cast in a movie or TV show about the Chick Fil A drive-through kid. He's 19, and he was so perfect. He goes, "What is there a name I can have for the order?" And I was like, yeah, Ross. And then he's like, okay, one of everything. Then he pauses. Um, yeah. like, I thought he's being punked. Well, and, and he looks over and he sees that the guy next to me is using my phone to video it. And he's like, so, like, literally? one." I'm like, yes, literally. If it's on the Chick-fil-A menu. So my wife loves Simeon now. She wants to go back to Chick-fil-A so she can meet Simeon in person. I don't think Chick-fil-A is the slowest. I think they're one of the fastest. And that whatever survey or wherever you're getting your information, it's either fake news, which I know you guys do a lot over there. Or, or, oh, Jesus. You're fired. Can we disconnect or, his shot? Can we cut his mic? Or, um, or, or it's, it's a reality of there just being that many people that want the food. So maybe it is slower because there's that many people in line. By the way, I got to ask you before we get to the football stuff, how much no, of the guy that's on news. CNN from 4 to 6 a.m. every day, how much do you despise the whole fake news thing? And every time anyone does anything, or I'm sure anytime you post anything or say anything, people go, that's fake news, fake news. Like, you must detest that as like a true Ted Cronkite style newsman. I can't think of anything besides sitting in a dentist chair. I hate worse than that ridiculous and ignorant term. And without going full bonkers here on a Thursday morning, <laughs> regardless of how you feel about this particular president, he admitted before this all started why he uses the term fake news because he uses it to describe things he does not like, period. That's all it is, things he does not like. We don't do fake news here. We check our sources two, three, four times. And so that's why I know that Chick-fil-A is the slowest. Here are the numbers, 322 seconds on average per order. Dunkin' Donuts was the fastest. Don't know why they were included. They're just serving up coffee. They're at 216. Wendy's, 230. Burger King, Taco Bell, Carl's Jr., KFC, Arby's, Hardee's, McDonald's, and not even close was Chick-fil-A, like 40 seconds slower than McDonald's. But the good, the moral of the story is speed does not matter when it comes to fast food. Quality does. Although, well, let's be clear, Popeye's was left off this list. Perhaps for good reason. I'm quite certain theirs would have been 15 minutes per order based on my experience. So Ross Tucker answered that eternal question. Why does speed not matter with fast food? Now can he answer this? Can you be a good guy who does bad 
bad things at work. In this case, work is the football field. Vontez Perfect of the Oakland Raiders suspended for the rest of the season pending a, an appeal. He's coming back from this London game to try to appeal. We, we reached out, by the way, to the Players Union, got no comment on how, if at all, they will defend Vontez Perfect in his appeal of that season-long suspension. But I asked that question because the Raiders quarterback, Derek Carr, was asked about Vontez Perfect, asked about these hits he made, the particular nasty one on Jack Doyle that earned the suspension and got him kicked out of that football game. And Derek Carr, the leader of this Raiders team, really defended Vontez Perfect and his character. Listen. The hard thing for me to understand is we say, you know, we're all about people, but Sometimes we don't get to know people, right? Uh, I think he's one of the most misunderstood people um, in the NFL. Uh, you know, I, don't, I didn't know anything about him except what some friends that were, you know, from L.A., played high school football with him, told me, you know. Uh, and when he showed up, he quickly turned into one of my favorite teammates I've ever had. He's one of the most genuine, awesome people I've ever been around. He's a great teammate. Uh, he works his tail off, and he's a great guy. His heart is broken because he's not playing football. The guy just wants to play football. We don't get a lot of time to play this game in our lives, right? Um, some of us, uh, you know, don't get a lot of years to do this. You know, I've broken many of bones. Um, I'm sure he's had plenty of injuries. Uh, so to be suspended for something like that for a whole season and puts another year on your legs, uh, you know, does a whole other – it's just there's a lot that goes into that that I guess we just throw out the window. So um, I know the history situation and all that kind of stuff, but this one – uh, especially with what went on the, during the week. Uh, if we're going to be fair, um, we need to be fair with everybody. No, Derek, I don't think you do know the history. I don't think you did your homework on this one. You may do it as a quarterback, but you sure as shit did not do it here. You did not look at the history of Vontez Perfect. 22 personal fouls in 37 games in his collegiate experience at Arizona State. More than $5 million in lost money due to fines and to our forfeited salary in his NFL career. These aren't just innocent hits in the heat of the battle. These are nasty, dirty, filthy plays that could end any football player's career at any moment. An article in the USA Today this morning lays out quotes from his family members that say Vontez Perfect played that way as a kid and played that way all his life. Ross Tucker how can you be a great guy and be such a bad dude on the football field? Can you explain that psychology? And did Derek Carr go too far in saying this was unfair that Burfitt got a season-long suspension? So I have seen things like this a number of times throughout my career and afterwards, Dave. So number one, Derek Carr, he's defending a teammate. This will go over well in the locker room. I can assure you Vontez is well-liked. He's a captain of the team. So I think on some level, perhaps Derek Carr is just doing his duty. I think he went a little too far. Uh, he, you know, Acting like it was just for this one hit. Derek, you know it's not just for this one hit. You know that. And I do believe... Dave, I really do believe that you can be a good person who does bad things on a football field. No doubt in my mind. I think John Runyon 
is a good person who did bad things on the field. I think Rodney Harrison, from my understanding, I didn't spend that much time with Rodney, but is a good human being who did some bad things on the football field. Look, there are people I played with or against that might say the same for me, Dave, because there are some things I did on the football field that I know other people didn't like, perhaps thought I was a little overzealous, overaggressive. I've had defenders say, tell me, you're cheap, you're dirty, that's chicken shit, whatever the case might be. That's how I played. I played really hard. It was the only way I thought it was fun, and it was the way in which I thought the game should be played, and it was also the way in which I could keep my job. I think on some level, there's really two options for Vontez Perfect, right? Either number one, he just can't help himself. And when he's inside the white lines, he just can't help himself or control himself. And that's how he ends up playing. Or the other option is it is a conscious decision. He thinks that's the way the game should be played and that's the way he's going to play it. Either way, Dave, it doesn't mean he's a bad person. You know, maybe he's got kids and he's a great dad. Maybe he's an awesome husband. Maybe he does outstanding things in the community. But he should not be allowed on an NFL football field ever again. Because this is now his 10th on-field transgression. Not including PED suspension or giving the Bills fans the bird just strictly dangerous or illicit hits that could really be a negative for the person he's doing the damage to or hitting. And that's why the NFLPA, probably smart to no comment. They probably think, and I'd be curious to get your opinion on this. I think they probably think there's no value in commenting, right? If they come out against Vontez, That doesn't look good that they're coming out against one of the people that they're supposed to represent. If they come out in support of him, that doesn't look good because he's doing things that could potentially injure the other 1,800 players in the NFL. This is one instance where I think no comment is probably the smart comment by the NFLPA. Now, we'll find out, hopefully, whether or not they're actually representing him and supporting him in his grievance or if it's just his agent who's kind of the lone soldier. But to answer your question, yes, you can be a good person who does bad things. But that, in my mind, has no relevance as to whether or not he should be able to play again. He should not. Everybody listening, radio.com slash home on the radio.com app or watching, because you can watch as well, Picture your uncle or brother or son or whatever being Jack Doyle and what could potentially have happened to Jack Doyle when Vontez Burfick launched himself like a missile, helmet to helmet to a man who was on his knees. Could have been real, real bad. Could have been tragic. And picture yourself that being a family member. There's no way you would ever want Vontez Perfect back on a field, and he shouldn't be. I don't know Vontez Perfect. I know that if you want to, I have never played this game at your level. 
And so I can attest to what it's like in the heat of the battle in that type of a dangerous environment, kill or be killed type atmosphere. I do know this. After he was ejected, helmet off, walking off the field, at that point, hopefully he had come down from the adrenaline rush you get on that football field and had thought through what he had just done yet again. And that reality had set in that I've done this to myself yet again, endangered another player out on this football field. What did he do? He didn't put his head down. He didn't walk into the locker room. He blew kisses. He smiled his whole way off the football field. I don't know Vontez, but I'm having a hard time buying that he is a good dude. Per the no comment from the Players Association, silence speaks volumes to me here. If you say nothing, you clearly are not in support of his appeal. You might be there in a formality, procedurally, because that is your duty as the union rep, but you clearly do not support the actions of this player. And if you did, and if you thought he was innocent, and if you thought this was an unfair punishment, I would have thought you would have heard some type of comment about that. But all in all, I think this speaks volumes about the organization, about the Oakland Raiders, about their defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther, who coached Vontez Perfect in Cincinnati through all those years of dirty plays and fines. They brought him to Oakland. He traded away Khalil Mack, a great dude and a future Hall of Famer, and they made Vontez a team captain. They fully embraced the way he plays the game. How about John Gruden? He is the man with the 10-year, $10 million per year deal. Here's his short explanation as to his feelings about the suspension. I'm not really going to say anything. I'm, I'm uh, Dr. Runyon in the league office. He knows how I feel. It hurts our team really bad. And um, I'm anxious to see what the appeal says. I'm not happy about it at all. And um, I don't want to say anything else. I'm uh, obviously upset about it. Pretty short, pretty to the point. Didn't actually go out there and say the things Derek Carr said about this being a great guy, about being unfair. Clearly, he's concerned this hurts his football team, a football team that looked pretty good in beating the Colts. Coming up in just a sec, we're going to get into more psychology of the quarterback position. And Kirk Cousins, is it right when you are the most important position in all of professional sports to apologize for poor performance? We'll talk about that in just a sec. And by the way, Dave, just what's interesting to me about the Gruden thing, yeah. think about what he would be saying if he was the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts and Jack Doyle suffered a major injury as a result. He'd be saying, I'm not happy about it. It hurts our team tremendously. So I, I don't put a lot of stock into what people that, are on the team say about a situation like this, whether it's Derek Carr or John Gruden, they're not able to see the forest through the trees, so to speak. I will just button it up with one last thing. It's interesting how many guys I played with, Dave, that were awesome guys in the locker room that everybody thought, oh, he's an awesome guy, and they liked him. We liked him but then they got in major trouble off the field. I'm not even talking on the field. I'm talking like they were bad people. Um, but in the locker room, they were a great guy. That has nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with oh. it. Like, just because a guy is friendly, and hey, Tuck, what's up, man? Doesn't mean you really know what they do when they go back to their house 
or whatever they do. So just something that I always thought, you know, it's always stupid to me when you hear a guy say, oh, he's a great guy after the guy gets in trouble for domestic assault or something. No, he's not a great guy. He's just a nice, friendly guy in the locker room. That doesn't mean he's necessarily a good person. So you Tom, might Tom Brady. a little. What's that? <laughs> Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, echoes of that situation a little bit. You know what? That's a good point, Dave. And I bet you Brady, I bet you Brady had some good interactions with Antonio Brown. And maybe Antonio Brown told him, you know, some stuff that made Brady feel the way he did. Because that's, I've been thinking about that a lot because I know you reference it. I've also been thinking about hiring because my wife has a small business, propane business, and she's trying to find good people always. It's not easy. It can be a slow process. Cafe Altura COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee recently for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. You know what he did? He switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates and you get them fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hiring is challenging and apologies are even harder, especially when you are the quarterback, the most important position in professional sports. Nonetheless, that's what Kirk Cousins did over the past week, apologizing to Adam Thielen for his poor play. Now, what started all this? The Vikings quarterback has not played that well. Game one was a game in which the Vikings won, which Cousins passed 10 times in a game, the thought being they don't trust their quarterback. Fast forward to week four and a loss to the Chicago Bears, and Cousins missed. Adam Thielen several times just did not play well, despite what the numbers might show you in the box score. He went out. Adam Thielen first called him out and said, you have to throw the ball. You have to have balance. Didn't take a direct or personal shot at Kirk Cousins, but we all interpreted it as just that because Cousins has not played well with the Vikings. So Cousins goes out there and apologizes to Adam Thielen and this is just kind of spun out of control now. The Vikings, who have arguably the best pure running back in Dalvin Cook. And now let's just get to today. Today, Thursday, Kirk Cousins trying to explain this apology and his dialogue with his all-world receivers, arguably the greatest group in the NFL with Stephon Diggs, who we'll get to in a moment, and Adam Thielen. Here's the QB Cousins. 
You apologized to Adam Thielen uh, after the game or on the podcast. Is that a slippery slope for a quarterback that to apologize to teammates? No, I, 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 you know, if I, every series, hey, my bad, man. You know, I mean, I mean, it's pretty much a constant dialogue with your teammates when you make a mistake or when you don't do something you want to do. You want to make sure that they know that you're aware of where you can be better. You don't want, you don't ever want your teammates feeling like he thinks he's doing everything right and he's not. And so uh, I felt Adam was taking some heat and I was trying to basically say, hey, you know, it's, it's not, uh, it's not what you said. There's, there's always more to it. Kirk, when you have uh, star wide receivers like Diggs and Thielen, whose job obviously is to catch passes, and you have game flows where they're not able to catch as many. Moving forward, I guess, as a quarterback, do you, is there anything you do as far as dialogue with them or more reps in practice or anything to you know, try to help keep them as sharp as possible? If you have 10 attempts in a game, you know, it is what it is. You're not going to go there and say, hey, man, you know, you should have had 18 catches today. You only 10 attempts. So we got to be realistic and look at this with honesty. Come on. You know, it's it's a small number of attempts at times. And then when it is a moment where you say, hey, man, I had you there, you go up to him and you say, I had you there. My fault. You know, I missed that one. That hurt us. And you move on. And, you know, that's that's just quarterbacking 101. That's the way I've, I've handled it since I was, you know, in high school playing with guys, just having a constant dialogue. Jason, as a broadcaster, as a husband, as a father, I'm okay with you broadcasting as a politician, as a lawyer, as a store manager, not as a starting quarterback. I'm sorry. You should tell that team you're going to play better, you're going to be better, you're going to find a way to lead this team into the postseason. I don't like my quarterback apologizing, Ross, and you. So this is, a, uh, this is I think, a fascinating topic. I think this is an interesting one. I really liked what I heard from Kirk Cousins right there. I mean, I, I felt like there was a lot of transparency. He made a ton of good points. He's like, look, if we only throw the ball 10 times, you're, you're not going to get the ball that much. Like, let's just be realistic. And he said there's a constant dialogue about going, you know, you come off every series, say, hey, I had you. That was my fault. It's interesting, though, because to apologize publicly two days later after the wide receiver kind of called you out, it, you know, Football is unique, Dave. I'm not going to compare it to the military. But I will say there are some similarities in terms of there being a hierarchy, a structure of command, if you will. And the quarterback and the head coach really have to have the authority to the point where none of the other players call them out. It's almost like on some level, the head coach is like the general and the quarterback is the captain, Captain Kirk. And the players are all sergeants, majors, privates, whatever. And I think it's way out of line for Adam Thielen to call out any other soldier, any teammate publicly. And I don't think we spend enough time ripping Adam Thielen. And maybe it's because he's a feel-good story, D2 guy that becomes a good player. And a lot of people, he's a really good player. And Cousins missed him on the throw. And a lot of people like Thielen, and they don't like Cousins. So what they do, Dave, is they say, 
He's just being honest. He's just telling the truth. Yeah, no shit. Guess what? He shouldn't do it. It's out of line. And I think the biggest loser in my mind in this whole scenario is Adam Thielen for calling Captain Kirk Cousins out the way he did. It's poor form. If you have an issue, you say something to him privately, not publicly. So I'd like to think that either Mike Zimmer, the general, or Kirk Cousins, the captain, made it clear to Adam Thielen in no uncertain terms, hey, Adam, let me give you a heads up on something. Shut the fuck up. You don't say shit like that. You don't call out a teammate publicly like that. I got news for you. If Adam Thielen called me out and said something like, uh, the offensive line is just not giving us time, that would not be good for him at all. You just don't do that. Because guess what? As an offensive lineman, I would never say, yeah, Cousins got to make those throws. Uh, Thielen's got to catch that ball. You just don't do that. You're a team. You're a unit. You're in this together. So I don't like what Thielen did at all. I think usually apologizing is a sign of strength. And you know what, Dave? There are days on this show where you don't feel like you had a great show and you'll say, sorry, guys, I suck today. I'd be happy to do that if I ever had a bad day. It hasn't <laughs> happened yet. I'm still waiting for one. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Kidding. All right. Anytime I say something arrogant or cocky like that, it's just funny. Okay. It's just, I'm just joking. But you apologize and you're the leader of the ship. You're the host of the show. But you apologize privately to us if you feel like, yeah, maybe it wasn't my best day or whatever. I think that's a sign of strength. I respect Now, there's days where I'm like, what do you mean? You were awesome today. I don't understand why you're even doing that. But I think it's a sign of strength. To do it, to do it publicly like that, like Cousins did, I just, I, I almost feel like it's, it's the commanding officer publicly um, giving respect or publicly uh, bowing down to the lower officer who's like the private or major or sergeant. There's just something about it that doesn't feel right. And I know people get upset with military analogies, but there are some similarities between football and military. Does that make sense? Like apologizing's cool and I, I, it's a sign of strength, but when it's the commanding officer publicly like apologizing to a lower officer, it just doesn't feel right. I, I like the military analogy. That's the way it came across to me. I don't want to see my quarterback apologizing. It doesn't sound like the head coach, Mike Zimmer, wants to hear that either. Here's what he's got. $220 million invested in Kirk Cousins, Stephon Diggs, and Adam Thielen, and a passing game that is 31st in the NFL in yards. And what does he feel about players, quarterbacks, apologizing? Here's Zim. Coach, are you big on teammates apologizing to teammates for their performance? Um, you know, quite honestly, uh, that's a headline. I, I watched the whole article. That did not happen. Um, it was... Are you talking about cousins talking about that? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know exactly what he said. I didn't read the article on that. I saw the headline. Um, 
but no. He said on the, his radio show, his tape Monday, it ran yesterday. It was with uh, Thielen, and he said, I want to apologize for not hitting When he was on. sitting there? Yeah, they were apparently both together. He was he, probably just being nice. I mean, I mean, seriously, I'm not worried about it. Maybe you should get off the podcast. I thought you were talking about something else. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Good. Thanks. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. We should always encourage players to go on podcasts. We welcome any player right here on the Home and Home podcast. Um, not a fan of it. That's all that I heard in that exchange. Yeah, and so I know Mike Zimmer pretty well, Dave. I played for him in Dallas. He is an old-school, hardcore football coach who I'm pretty confident probably told Adam Thielen to shut the heck up, like I said earlier, about publicly calling out Cousins. I, if I had to guess, I would think Zimmer did that. He's a, a Parcells, tough son of a gun, and I, he probably did not like Cousins apologizing. He probably looks at it like he should be above that. Now, I will say this. I didn't know Thielen was sitting next to Cousins when he did that. So that's a little bit different to me. But I still would have preferred if Cousins couched it as Adam and I already talked. I already told him it was my bad that I miss him on those couple throws. We got to be better. I'd like to think on that same show or podcast or whatever it was, that Adam Thielen also said he was sorry and shouldn't have voiced his displeasure publicly because that's the number one issue. I don't really like any of it, Dave. I, I don't like the way the Vikings are playing. I don't like how they performed against the Bears. I don't like Thielen calling out Cousins publicly. I don't love Cousins publicly apologizing. Now, Thielen's sitting right there. It's a little bit different, I guess. Uh, but it's really interesting. And I want to bring this up. I'm looking at my Twitter poll and I said, honest question. Do you think the Kirk Cousins public apology to Adam Thielen is a sign of strength or weakness? 43%. We've had over 13,000 votes, Dave. 43% said strength. 57% said weakness. Now, I will say this. I took a polling class. I was a politics major, Dave. If you ever need any tips or anything, let me know. I took a polling class at Princeton. By the way, in my my like study buddy next to me in class, Chris Young, who spent like, I don't know, 12, 15 years in the major leagues as a pitcher, 6'11 pitcher. He's also like the Ivy League player of the year basketball player. 6'11 pitcher sat next to me in the same polling class. And I, what I remember is you always have to take into account the bias of the people, right? So a lot of people hate Kirk Cousins. They think he sucks. So when they reply to this, they're going to be like, that's a sign of weakness. If I did the exact same poll with Tom Brady, I think a lot more people would say it was a strength. But I don't think Tom Brady would do it. The responses are really interesting. Uh, weakness, because I think Thielen is actually pissed at the head coach. There are people that said, what's wrong with people? Uh, there are a lot of people that felt like it was a strength. There are people that said it's definitely low-T move. 
by uh, Cousins. It was really, really interesting. This is a, and there's a lot of people who said it's a dumb question, and where's the none of the above option? This, this is one that really ruffled some feathers and people had strong opinions on. And I voted it as a sign of weakness. 13,000 votes. That is a substantial block as far as a poll. More substantial than a lot of presidential polls right now, quite frankly. So touche on your efforts. As for Stefan Diggs, mentioned him prior. Uh, did, did not practice for non-injury purposes the other day. And now the speculation builds. Does he want to be traded? He had a great game in week four. And why is the speculation? Because it's 2019. What Diggs did this week? as he started following a couple Patriots players, namely Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, and James White, and also a couple of Bills players, Cole Beasley, Zay Jones, speculation rampant. But boy, sure makes a hell of a lot of sense when you think about the New England needs, the frustration of Tom Brady. Boy, could they use Stephon Diggs. But this team is very much in it. They have a championship-type roster. If Kirk Cousins plays the way they need him to, this is a team that not, could, not just could win the division, but could go could go to the Super Bowl. Let's just be frank. It is wide open. Um, we'll talk about another player uh, that could be on the trading block, or are they holding him back? Jalen Ramsey. What does the owner say about keeping the corner in just a bit? But up next, after a quick break, we're going to talk to Nick Costos, our friend from You Better You Bet, about the best bets of the weekend, including who is the money on in the Thursday night Rams Seahawks game. That's after a quick break. Thursday night football is a beauty tonight. Rams and Seahawks, Seattle a slight favorite at home. We'll get the best bets on that game in just a sec from our friend Nick Costos. You better, you bet. Good to see you, my friend Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker. But first, I got to ask you about my man, Mattress Mac. He's bet three and a half yeah. million dollars on the Astros to win the World Series. Not the type of bet you'd expect on a heavy favorite. What do you make of that wager? Well, I think the guy's absolutely brilliant. Like, I think that when we all grow up, and by the way, Dave especially, Ross looks like he, like Clark Kent, stepped out of the phone booth today. Like, what an annoying outfit with, like, the phone, the, the tie slightly askew. I'm very annoyed by Dave's outfit today. Um, Mattress Mac is someone we should all aspire to be. Mattress Mac makes, like, $300 million a year selling mattresses in Houston. I don't even know how that's possible, but God bless the guy. People need mattresses in Houston. God bless. So when they won in 2017, the Astros won the World Series, he guaranteed, like, some kind of discount if the Astros won and lost a ton of money. Now, a ton of money, comparatively speaking, because he was still raking in hundreds of millions of dollars. So this bet by Mattress Mac is essentially a hedge. If the Astros win the World Series, he's going to offer that discount. He's going to lose money um, on his business, but he's going to make it back with the bet. The guy's absolutely brilliant. Like, I, I would like to have a drink with Mattress Mac. I don't know who the hell he is. I don't know if he's a nice guy or not, but I mean, the guy seems to be a tremendous businessman, and um, I think he made a pretty good bet with the Houston Astros to win the World Series because I don't really see them losing. So that was going to be my question, Nick, is like, forget, I, I, I didn't even know that about Hi, Ross, the hedge on the business and stuff. Hey, That's buddy. interesting. I want to know, like, good to see you. I, we watch baseball. Stop saying hi. I don't, I don't give voice. a shit, okay? Will you just shut up and let me ask you a question? Gosh, okay. nobody cares about you saying hi. Hi, Nick. Hi. Anyway, <laughs> unbelievable. This is great content right now. This is great. This is great. It's my show. You come on trying to make me look like a dick. I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm, saying, hello, I'm saying hello to you. I like <laughs> He rattled you, man. He rattled you. It worked. It got in your head. All right, Matt. All right. Ross, so here's that. what matters, all right? 
I want to ask you a question about the Astros. Okay. It doesn't, and I this is a weird one because it feels like in baseball, even though they have seven game series, it feels to me, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, like it's not like every year the best team with the highest payroll wins. Like weird things happen in baseball. Oh, yeah. That Yadney guy has two home runs last yeah. night. I never even heard of that guy. He's just raking uh, last night for the Rays. Weird things happen in baseball. So why is Mattress Mac, why are Mattress Mac and you so confident that the Astros are going to win the World Series? It's not like it's the best team that wins every year at all. Well, I, I mean, look, we acknowledge the possibility that the Astros obviously could get tripped up at some point. Like, it's not outside the realm of possibility that they could lose. It's not like, this is not like like the 85 Bears rolling through the NFC playoffs, giving up a couple points and then annihilating the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Like, there's a chance the Astros could get tripped up. But it's probably not going to happen, and I think there are a number of reasons why. Number one, the starting pitching. Like, the starting pitching is absolutely insane. Like, in the postseason, to be able to roll out, you know, the guys who are probably going to be 1-2 in the Cy Young voting, like, are on the same team starting games one and two in the postseason and Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole. Then they went out at the trade deadline and here's where I think you really got to tip your cap to the Astros and their analytically like like forward thinking front office. They, you know, they go out there and they try and win championships like the Yankees and the Dodgers sat on their hands at the deadline. The Astros went out and got Zach Greinke. Like they did not sit on their laurels with these great two starting pitchers. They added a third former Cy Young Award winner. So now they have Zach Greinke pitching game three. So they have the starting pitching edge over everybody. Then the lineup is absolutely outrageous. You've got the likely MVP of the American League and Alex Bregman. You've got the likely rookie of the year in that lineup as well. You've got a manager who two years ago managed the team to a World Series and was terrific in October, inserting Charlie Morton, who we saw star last night for the Tampa Bay Rays and Lance McCullers, in the bullpen to help close out the Yankees in the ALCS and then the Dodgers in the World Series. So you take all of these ingredients, you put them in a big pot, you stir it up together, and uh, you get the Houston Astros being by far the best team in baseball. Um, and I don't really think that I don't even think you can really make like an intelligent case. Like it would have to be luck. Like something crazy would have to happen for the Astros to not win the World Series. And you know, it hurts me to say that as a Yankees fan because I don't think the Yankees are good enough to beat the Astros. Like they are by far the best team in baseball. Interesting. All right. That makes sense. Now, it's funny because my thought process now is I'm going to be rooting against the Astros because I like the underdog. Although. I kind of like Mattress Mac. Like, I, we got to decide. Should we be rooting for Mattress Mac or against Mattress Mac? No, Justin? we root against Mattress Mac because he makes money no matter what. Like, he's an elitist scum. Like, we hate Mattress Mac. I mean, I respect Mattress Mac, but also, like, Mattress Mac, like, he knows he's making money no matter what. So what's this for? You know why, you know why Mattress Mac did it? Because Mattress Mac is a narcissist, and I can appreciate that as a fellow narcissist. But he loves to see his name in print. He wants us to talk about him. He's got the money no matter what, but he can't resist seeing his name in headlines. Screw Mattress Mac and fuck the Houston and Astros and go New York Yankees. <laughs> All right. So before you came on, we were talking about Kirk Cousins and his apology. Uh. That guy, Costos, has cost me a bunch of units. Oh, yeah. I give them out on the Even Money podcast, which is available on the radio.com app. I'm up double digit units for the year, and it would be a lot more. If it weren't for Kirk Cousins, at what point, as a guy that gives out excellent gambling advice on You Better You Bet, Monday through Friday, as well as Sundays, which the show that I'm on, which I love, at what point do you just say, screw this guy, I am no, and screw this team, 
I am no longer advocating putting money on this team or putting money on this team because this guy keeps costing me money. Um, well, you think you've got to pick your spots. And look, yeah, Kirk Cousins is the worst. I've gone off on him numerous times this year. Um, this is It's very simple, Ross. When the Vikings play teams that they're better than, you can bet on Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins plays well against shitty teams. We saw him play well against the Raiders back in week three. When Kirk Cousins plays against good teams with good defenses in a big spot, look, like week 17 last year was the perfect encapsulation of Kirk Cousins, right? Week 17 against the Bears. Bears were already in the playoffs. Had already won the NFC North. Vikings needed to win, and they're in the playoffs at home. And what does he do? He pisses down his leg. That's a big spot against a good team. Last week on the road against Chicago, big spot against a good team, pissed is down his leg. This Sunday, though, against the Giants is a very interesting game because I think the Giants may be a little overvalued coming into this game, and you guys know I love the Giants. But the Giants, I mean, look, do we really give the Giants a ton of credit for smashing the Dwayne Haskins-led Washington Redskins on Sunday with Haskins throwing all those interceptions? I actually think the Vikings are going to be able to put some points up in this game, and I think this could be like the squeaky wheel thing, right, where you mentioned that Adam Thielen, you know, kind of criticizing, not Cousins directly, but like the downfield passing game, a.k.a. Hey, Kirk, you fucking suck, get me the football, where we may see Thielen and Diggs if Diggs plays, if he's still on the Vikings by then, the Vikings should be able to move the ball on this Giants defense. So I think if there were a week to hop on the Vikings train, it might be this week against the terrible Giants defense. So Russ, here's what you got to do, buddy. Before you bet the Vikings and Kirk Cousins, you have to ask yourself, is the team the Vikings are playing a good team? Is the defense they're playing against a good defense? If the answer is yes, you don't bet on Kirk Cousins. If the answer is no, you give it some thought and you look to add some really big units to your repertoire. Big units. So wait a minute. As a Giants fan, are you telling me this is the second consecutive week that you will be betting against the Giants? Because I know you bet the Redskins last week. I did. I did, too. Before I knew McLaurin wasn't playing. Me, too, and yeah. And Sheriff wasn't playing. And that Jay Gruden would bench Keenum after, like, three series. I wouldn't have bet if I knew those things. But anyway, I, I, I make my recommendation on Wednesday. It is what it is. But are you betting against your Giants again this week? Um, I, I probably will bet against the Giants. I don't think it's going to be one of my favorite plays. The Vikings laying five and a half right now in that game at MetLife. What I'll probably do is take the over, which is 43 and a half, and that's come down a number of points here. I think the Giants are going to be able to move the football, especially in the second half if this is like if this is a game that's kind of getting out of reach. Um, Golden Tate's back for the Giants. Sterling Shepard's healthy. Now Saquon Barkley's not there, but I do think they'll be able to move the ball in garbage time here, and, and I'm going to wait to see the Vikings team total when that comes out, and these, these are some of my other favorite bets as well, like uh, for the people that are uninitiated. You can bet not only like the over-under of the game, but over-unders that correspond to specific teams. So when the Vikings team total comes out, I think the Vikings are going to score a lot of points on offense in this game. And, and you know, I, they're going to kind of have to go away from what they've done a little bit. Like, they, they can't run this prehistoric offense all season. Like, it works against really bad teams that you can run the football against, but you got to be able to throw the football in 2019. And Cousins can throw the football, and they've got good receivers that, by the way, they're paying a lot of fucking money to. Throw the fucking football, guys. Someone get Gary Kubiak on the line or Kevin Stefanski and this Vikings offensive staff. Like, wing the football around. Like, they should be able to score 35 points on this game in this game against the New York Giants. So I lean towards the Vikings, but I like the over a little more at 43 and a half. What about tonight, Nick? It's the Seahawks hosting the Rams. It's another good Thursday nighter. They're both three and one. I want to know, do you have a strong feeling or a strong play about tonight's game? The Seahawks are laying one and a half, and the, and the total is 49. 
I think it's a really tough game to call it against the spread. I think there's an intelligent case to be made for both sides. I would say my lean on the game is towards the Rams here. Most, I think both these teams are kind of overrated, but I think at this point the Seahawks are a little more overrated than the Rams are. So I would lean the Rams here, um, getting the one and a half, and I think the Rams will probably win the game. I don't love it, though, and like I'm not going to say like I'm going to bet like a lot of money on it. I probably, I mean, I will bet it just because it's an island game and, and I like action, so I'll take the Rams. The bet I feel better about is the over in this game, and we actually saw last week Thursday night game between the Eagles and Packers. Ross, by the way, you were on fire on Twitter during that game. I retweeted a couple of your tweets at Ross Tucker NFL. Everyone should be following Ross there. Um, that was a plug for you since you've been plugging me a lot. I appreciate it. Um, I think this will be the second Thursday night game that goes over. And I like what I saw from Todd Gurley last week. Gurley started to look a little bit more like himself, you know, pre-arthritic knee, what we saw at the end of last season. And I think if they utilize Gurley in the passing game, you know, we've seen a lot of teams have success with that against Seattle this year, running backs in the passing game, I, I think Gurley's going to play a big factor in this game. You know, the Rams' pass rush was non-existent last week with the exception of a couple Aaron Donald plays against the Bucs. So I think Russell Wilson's going to be able to make some plays as well. I think this is like a 28-24, 28-27 final, uh, final score. I think it could go either way, lean towards the Rams, but I think this game is played in the 50s, so I'll play the over 49 and a half. All right, what about, what would you say is your best or favorite play this weekend and by the way i think based on some of your tweets i think i might be feeling the same way or it might have been even some of the how social do you see posts. my tweets yeah i was gonna say well Ross, you don't you famously don't follow me on twitter so how would you have seen my tweets are you like are you stalking me like what what's happening here uh it might have been something that at rdc sports posted okay. oh all right. the, the yeah. radio.com sports you know, Twitter handle from yeah, your show, you, you better, you yeah. bet. It probably was that. Yeah, I bet. I bet you would never follow me, jerk. Even though we're friends in real life, asshole. Um, my favorite bet this week, Ross. I like the Steelers getting three and a half at home against the Ravens. Um, I can't believe that this line didn't adjust after the Steelers just blew the doors off the Bengals um, on Monday Night Football. And I don't know that the Steelers are like really great shakes or like a real playoff contender in the AFC with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. But I do know that they're a major value in this spot getting three and a half at home. Like I think this line is insane. I bet it the other day. Um, I took the Steelers plus the three and a half. I don't think this is going to close at three and a half. I think this is going to close at three. So I think if you like the Steelers, you should try and bet this as soon as possible because this line is not closing at Ravens minus three and a half Baltimore supremely overrated you know the Ravens have only looked good in one game this season week one against the Dolphins against maybe the worst team we've ever seen could have and should have lost to Kyler Murray and the Cardinals who are awful themselves in week two at home had no business covering that spread week three against the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes you know a couple of Lamar Jackson prayers got answered in that game and then they got blown out at home last week by the Browns who looked terrible the previous week on Sunday Night Football against the Rams so again I'm not here to advocate that the Steelers are like the Ben Roethlisberger Steelers or the Steel curtain stealers of the 70s but you're getting three and a half points at home against a Ravens team that does not have a great defense and I think Deontay Johnson could get loose in this game a little bit I want to see the injury status for James Conner but even if Conner doesn't go I think Jalen Samuels finds success in this game the Steelers getting the three and a half at home against Baltimore is my favorite bet of the week in the NFL I agree my friend that's mine as well uh, I think how the many Steelers units got their mojo back on Monday night uh, look, Mason Rudolph, I, I'm still not convinced he's actually good, but they dominated up front both sides of the ball. Meanwhile, the Ravens got dominated up front both sides of the ball. I love the Steelers at home getting three and a half points. Totally with you on that one. What about a little college football, Nikki? We've got Saturday's action. There's some decent games. We've got little Ohio State, Michigan State is one of them. 
Do you have a play on Saturday football that you like? Yeah, I want to stay in the Big Ten, but I want to go away from the Michigan State-Ohio State game. But we'll stay in the state of Michigan. I think Michigan is going to bludgeon Iowa on Saturday. And I think this is a situation, Ross, where we talk about gambling like sports gambling like the stock market, right? where you want to buy low in certain teams. So last week, you know, we advocated buying low in Michigan, coming off the loss uh, to Wisconsin, where they were absolutely annihilated, have their, had their souls ripped out, or like hearts ripped out, like Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom style. Michigan goes, and, and, and we got a discount on Michigan last week, laying under four touchdowns at home against Rutgers. They went like 52 to nothing. So now I think that given the fact that that game was kind of skated over, no one really gave a shit because it was Rutgers, it's like, okay, great, you beat Rutgers. I think we're getting Michigan once again as, a, as at a discount here in this game against Iowa. And the look ahead number before the season for this game was like Michigan minus 10. And then I think we look at Iowa's biggest win this season, which was against Iowa State in that game with all the weather delays. You look at the box score, Iowa State should have easily won that football game. Like they outgained them in terms of total yardage, in terms of yards per play. I mean, there are the weather delays, the, the, the fans were on the field, mucking up the field. There was so much extracurricular shit in that game. So I think Iowa's a little overvalued, and I think Michigan is actually a little undervalued here. Michigan minus three and a half. Like, if this number gets to three, I don't think it will. I'm going to pound the shit out of Michigan, but I'm going to pound the shit out of Michigan minus three and a half also. I think that is the best college bet on the board, Michigan laying the three and a half at home against Iowa. So here's what you need to do. If you like this Energizer Bunny that you're listening to right now, you need to go to Twitter and you need to follow at the Costos like I did for a while, a couple of days, maybe not even a full day. But anyway, I think it was maybe like, at- like 48 hours. It was, it was, it was a good run. It was a good run. You need to follow at the Costos. More importantly, check out his show. You better, you bet. Does it start at six or six thirty? Oh no, we're on uh, Thursdays. We're on at six thirty. The Action Network comes on with their college football podcast with Stucky and Colin Wilson on Thursdays from five to six fifteen, and those guys are tremendous. So urge everyone to check that out. It's Monday. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday starts at 6 to 10. Thursday is 6.30 to 10. And then, of course, our Sunday morning show, 9 to noon. And then the Action Network takes us from noon to 1 countdown to kick off on NFL Sundays. And I love being a part of You Better You Bet on Sundays. Such a blast with Nick and Danny Parkins. They make fun of me a lot. I don't know why there's nothing to make fun of, but they try. At any rate. It's a great show. You kill show. us pretty good too, man. You kill us pretty good I too. I think that's I, I think that's kind of I, I think that's kind of the fun of the whole thing is that like all three of us can take a joke. So I think that really makes for a fun dynamic. Nick, thanks as always, buddy. Appreciate it. Let's get this money this weekend and go Yankees and Mattress Mac go to hell. <laughs> there he is. Nick Castos, the host of You Better, You Bet, always available on the radio.com app as well as at radio dot com terrific stuff with nick you know it's really interesting because there were three topics that i was fired up about today the vontez perfect nflpa raiders stuff the kirk cousins poll apology thing and the chicago sun times oh man the chicago sun times wow just wow they have no clue. I'll explain when we return here to Home and Home, a radio.com sports original, always available at radio.com slash home or on the radio.com app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.